Shall we just pray to start before we go into the service? And thank you, God, for the time that we've got together tonight. Thank you for everybody who's here and that we've all been prepared to come out and come to meet with you tonight. I pray, God, that our hearts will be ready to meet with you and ready to learn something new and that hopefully by the end of the service we'll feel more equipped to follow you in where you're calling us. Amen. Right, I've got the last in the Marvel series to do tonight, but it's also sort of doubling up as the third in my trilogy of talks that I've brought, so it should kind of tie up two different things, hopefully. I've got a quote just to start with from Alexander Pierce, who's one of the characters in The Winter Soldier, and he says, granted he's a villain, but please take no notice of that. He says, to build a better world sometimes means tearing down the old one, and that makes enemies. Um, sometimes we have to tear down old parts of our lives to build our new life in Christ, but sometimes that makes us some enemies as well. Um, I've put granted that the quote was from one of the villains in the story, but I think there's some truth in that for us too, that we have to tear down old things to build something new. Um, tonight I'm going to be talking about fighting the enemy that we face when we choose to follow Jesus. So I'm just going to start with a bit from the Bible. It's Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. It says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his great power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can fight against the devil's evil tricks. Our fight is not against the people on earth, but against the rulers and authorities and the powers of this world's darkness, against the spiritual powers of evil in, in the heavenly world. That is why you need to put on the, on, the full, on the full armor of God. Then on the day of evil, you will be able to stand strong. And when you finish the whole fight, you will still be standing. So stand strong with the belt of truth tied around your waist and the protection of right living on your chest. On your feet, wear the good news of peace to help you stand strong. And also use the shield of faith with which you can stop all the burning arrows of the evil one. Accept God's salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times with all kinds of prayers, asking for everything you need. To do this, you must always be ready and never give up. Always pray for God's people. Um, in the films and in the comics, Captain America or Cap is a figure of hope. It brings a message of hope to people and of deliverance. Is a symbol quite often of sort of American freedom and the idea that Americans shouldn't be slaves to anybody and that idea of being free. Um, in the first film, the first Avenger, Cap starts by dressing in the costume and if you've seen it, you'll see that he sort of prances around doing a bit of a show, getting people to believe that America's free and that they're not going to be destroyed but he's representing something that he's not actually fighting for. Um, but as the film goes on, he moves from words and into action so he takes up sort of the mantle of actually being on the front line. Um, it's only once he begins to live out his mission on the front line that he really faces enemies and finds a real battle, like I was talking about at the start, that we make enemies when we tear down old things and try to build something new. Um, there's no battle to be had if we avoid the battlefield. And it's only once Cap takes on this role that he's faced with some actual enemies, which is what I'm going to be talking about tonight. Um, we've got, I was going to do the first bit of the talk and then go straight into the worship, but we've got communion to fit in. And with what I wanted to say, I thought it fit in quite nicely that we're starting to think a little bit about our enemy and obviously our enemy's sin. And sort of to tie in the last two talks that I've done, thinking about repentance and being something that's ongoing that we keep coming back to, I just wanted to mention that first, that as we come tonight, if we want to fight the enemies that we've got, we've got to acknowledge that they're there and that's sin in our life. Um, for each of us, it's going to be different things, different things that hold us back from God. And it might be feelings that we've got, actions that we do, different things. And I just wanted us to spend a minute just praying before we start, really, about those things that perhaps are blocking us from our relationship with God. So just spend a minute in prayer and then I'll close.
Thank you, God, that we're able to come to you with all the things that we're guilty of and that we can just lay them down before you and you'll wipe them clean. Thank you that we don't have to hold on to those things, those feelings or those actions that aren't of you. And I just thank you, God, that you're willing to wipe those away for us. I pray that you'll reveal to us perhaps the sins that we don't notice that we're guilty of and that tonight we'll be prepared to take some action against those things in your name. Amen. So one thing I just wanted to mention before we go into communion is that it's one of my favourite stories from the Bible, and I've done it this week at school, because it's just straight after Easter, and it's a good time to mention it, really. It's um, when they're fishing out on the sea, and Peter spots Jesus on the land, and it's almost kind of like a follow-up to the Last Supper, because it's almost sort of like the first supper after he's come back to life. And Peter's been guilty of denying Jesus, and that's a sort of sin of denying following Christ. And... He sees his friend on the beach, and his instant reaction isn't fear or guilt of, I've done this person wrong. He just jumps straight in and goes swimming for him. Because he's so desperate to see his friend that kind of all the guilt just gets washed away instantly. He sees Jesus, and he wants to follow him. He's not held back by fear or guilt of the things he's done against him. And Jesus is just waiting there, and they've gone and they've caught all these fish, but he's sat there with the meal ready anyway. So they're doing their bit, but he's got it all sorted. And they just turn up on the beach with all their guilts and all the things they've done wrong against Jesus, and he's just there ready to be their friend, and those things are already forgiven. And then he says to, he asks Peter, we all know, he asks him three times whether he loves him, and obviously he says yes each time for different reasons. But as we come to communion, that's kind of us jumping in the water and going to meet with God and getting rid of all those things, all the guilt that we come to him with. And then as we go into the worship after, that's kind of us saying, we love you when Jesus asks us that question. So perhaps as we come into the worship, maybe think about that, that it's a time for us to say, yeah, I'm, I'm diving in, I'm coming for you. As I mentioned before, I was kind of thinking, trying to build on last time when I was talking about coming back to repentance and the idea of turning our back on sin. But I mentioned before about when we turn our back on sin, it's often tempting to look over your shoulder and start looking back at it. So I wanted to talk today a little bit about moving on from that point and the idea of lining ourselves up with what God's plans are for us, and God's plans of freedom from sin. So that thing, in speci- that specifically that one thing, and the idea of moving on from sin that we leave behind. Um, I mentioned just before the worship and communion that there's no battle to be had if we avoid the battlefield. So kind of, when we're not a Christian, we're not really battling sin, because we're just embracing it, so there is no battle. But for Cap, it's only once he takes on his role as an actual fighter in the army that he starts to face some real enemies. And like Cap, we've got a battle to fight. But our fight isn't with other people. We're being called to bring peace. So it's not a battle in that sort of sense. Our fight's against the spiritual world. And I always feel a bit funny when you mention something like the spiritual world. Because it sounds a bit sort of something like that we don't like to think about, kind of. And it sounds a bit of a weird term. But we shouldn't shy away from the label of it, really. And from thinking about it, it just really it just means things that we can't see. So it's where God's acting and where the devil's acting. And it's where God's playing out his plans and where the devil's failing in his. Um, We're all following God, hopefully, in some way. But sometimes we like to leave the devil out of things. We like to think about God and the good he's done. But we like to leave the devil out because it kind of sounds like a bit of a cartoon character. You can sort of imagine God as being something a bit more serious. But the devil sometimes feels a bit unrealistic. And it kind of goes against our view of ourselves and our lives as well. And of our world as kind of generally being okay. And we don't like to accept that things can be fundamentally bad. I think we've all got a bit of an aversion to there being actual outright bad in the world. So 
I mean, and even if we do, we like to kind of box it up and isolate it a bit. So we'll sort of say, or that incident in that country, or that person down the road. And we kind of box things up and try to like separate it and think that generally things aren't bad, things are okay. And we'll sort of say things like, oh, I hope that never happens again. Because we sort of try to box these things up. But I think perhaps sometimes we need to face up to the fact that the devil is real. And that, he's, that us pretending that there's no threat, that maybe that's one of the best lies that he feeds us that more than the actual sin that we, that we find in our lives, it's the lie that actually I'm not doing anything, the devil's not active. I think that's a massive lie that sometimes we shy away from and we think actually things are all right, the devil's not active in my life, there's just a few bits of sin that I'm dealing with, but actually I think that's the devil lying to us and saying don't worry about it and we kind of act on that because that sounds nice and a bit cushy. Um, but obviously that's not to say that there's a bloke dressed in big red horns and a pointy stick. We can't see it's not that kind of thing, but um, we should be ready to accept that there will be attempts to drag us away from Christ and from his love. And so my talk tonight really is going to focus on how we face our enemies and how God's equipped us to do so. And so I brought some things with me. Um, Cap wears quite an iconic costume, I would say. Out of all the superheroes, you'd recognise the um, shield that he's got. And lots of superheroes have some kind of costume and they say that they suit up before they go out to meet their opponents. And they recognise that actually they need more than their own talents or abilities when they take on the enemy. So they might be blessed with certain skills or things that they've been given, but actually they realise anything that they've got to their advantage, they'll take with them. So I'm going to talk tonight really about the armour of God, and it's from Ephesians 6. I read it at the start, but I've got two different versions from different Bibles that just phrase it slightly differently. We've got from the ESV, it says, Therefore take up the whole armour of God that you'll be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. It says, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Um, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which hopefully will be more effective than this one, and to take that up, which is the word of God. But from the message, and I'm not always keen on the message, but I think sometimes it just fries things in, a, like in accompanying another version that does help us to understand it. I think he puts it in a really good way. It says, be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over, book the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon, is what it says. And I think maybe to be a bit cool, the message drops the armour of God and the imagery of all the clothes and things. Because it's a bit of a sort of typical Sunday school lesson, isn't it? But actually it lists those things, peace, faith, salvation, truth, righteousness, and that God's word is an indispensable weapon. And I think we can take more from that than just a Sunday school lesson. Um, God has provided us with a belt of truth. A belt sort of holds things in place, hopefully. <laughs> if you take it off, things might fall out of place. Um, it's the way, Jesus is the way, the truth and the light. God's word for us is true and we can trust in it. So when we feel that maybe things are starting to fall apart, maybe we need to fix back on the belt of truth in place and remind us of God's promises that it is true, that what we believe, what we follow in are true. So when things in our lives are falling apart, it's not God failing us. It's for us forgetting God's promises, his truth. For us. So we need to keep that firmly in place. God's promises won't break or fall apart. 
Um, God's given us the body armor of righteousness. So body armor, if you're in the army or fighting out on the field, it would protect your internal organs. So it's all sort of the bits around here that are really crucial. And importantly, it would protect the heart. So when we're made right by Jesus, which is righteousness, by Jesus dying on the cross, our hearts are protected by the righteousness that he's covered us with. So in Genesis, where Adam and Eve eat the fruit and suddenly they realize they're naked and maybe their belt of truth has dropped off, um, God covers Adam and Eve when they realize that they're naked and he, he literally covers them up. So he covers over their sin and says, I'm dealing with it. But for their sort of protection, he literally covers them over because that's something they're ashamed of. And through Jesus, God covers over our sin completely and then he shields our hearts from that sin through his righteousness. We need to make sure that we wear it every day. So we should protect our hearts by thinking on God, how God has made us right. Another thing that God gives us are the shoes of peace to wear. So I've brought some boots, which I thought were probably more likely than sandals that you'd normally say. Um, we're not called to trample down and destroy things. We're called to walk a path of peace and to bring peace to situations and to people's lives. But it's not just a peace as in sort of an absence of war or upset or if your friends are falling out and bringing peace. It's the eternal peace of the gospel is what it means. It means the gospel of peace. So it's actually peace that stands in the face of trials and troubles. So it's not peace as in an absence of trouble. It's having peace of heart when there is trouble. And that's what God brings for us and what we should be wearing. We've been given a shield of faith. And I think sometimes we think of our faith as being sort of in need of protecting, of shielding our faith, and that we should guard it. And obviously we should guard our faith and nurture it. But here it sort of makes it clear that our faith isn't just something frail that we should protect, but it's our faith that protects us from the devil's attacks. So it's kind of turning that idea on its head of, I need to protect my faith by doing this. It's my faith will protect me from doing this. Um, the other thing that God's given us is a helmet of salvation. Um, the thoughts of our minds should be protected as well. So as well as our hearts, it's the things that we think. And um, we can protect those by salvation that we've been given through Jesus. Jesus has rescued us and we should use this to guard our thoughts. The last thing that God's given us is the sword of the Spirit. Um, Jesus lives in us and Jesus is our weapon against the devil. So when we face up to that, it's real and that it's not a lie. Um, God's word is a double-edged sword, it says, and it's given to us to use. Like I said earlier, the message refers to it as an indispensable weapon. It's the one that you can't afford to not have. And when Jesus is tempted in the wilderness in the lead up to Easter, he uses the word of God to cut down the devil. And just like Jesus, we can quote scripture to send the devil pack in. I just kind of wonder how often, when we're tempted by things, do we actually go to the Bible about it? In Revelation 12, 10 to 12, it tells us that God has already defeated the devil when Jesus died on the cross. Jesus holds the keys to death and sin no longer has any hold on us. And then it follows later on in Revelation 20, 10 to 15, where it goes on to say that Jesus, when Jesus returns, the, the devil and all that he stands for will be finally eliminated but in the meantime, the devil has declared war on all those who've chosen to follow God's commandments. So we need to face up to the fact that it's real, that, God, that the devil will try to drag, drag us away from God. Um, on Easter morning, Ruth mentioned something that kind of got me thinking a lot about this. And she said about how Jesus hasn't just got won over by the devil and changed the score to 1-0. And it kind of got me thinking that the truth is that God hasn't scored a goal to get one up and still competing with the devil. Actually, he's just ended the match. He's not playing the game anymore. He's just said, the game's over. And it's a bit of an analogy. If you're into Harry Potter, you might get this. Where um, in a game of Quidditch, Quidditch, 
the seeker catches the snitch and ends the game. So it's a bit that's kind of what Jesus has done. And we need to use the truth that Jesus has set us free and tell the devil to get off the pitch, that the game's over. Um, as long as the devil can convince us of the lie that he still has a hold over us. He can tempt us into following sin. And that's a bit kind of like, in a game of Quidditch, you're still getting bashed with the quaffle and somebody's already caught the snitch. And it's, we keep playing the game with the devil. We buy into the lie that actually I'm bound by this and we're not. And we need to hold on to the salva onto our salvation and guard our thoughts with it, always thinking on the fact that Jesus has rescued us, which is the helmet. I put that when we boldly proclaim that sin has no hold on us because of what Jesus has done, not what we've done, we can tear down the lie that the devil keeps telling us. In 1 Peter 5, 8-9, it says, Control yourselves and be careful. The devil, your enemy, goes around like a roaring lion looking for someone to eat. Refuse to give in to him by standing strong in your faith. It tells us that the devil prowls like a lion, and a lion's the sort of animal that picks off the weakest and devours it in a herd. So the devil actively seeks people who aren't standing in their faith to pick them off. And we need to make sure that we are standing firm and that the people that we're friends with and people that we know, that we can encourage them to do the same. And we need to hold on to the body armour of righteousness to protect us against the devil's attacks and then hold up the shield of faith to tell the devil that we belong to Jesus and that we're not the devil's. We need to tell the devil that we're confident in the fact that we're right before God and that we're free from sin. I've kind of been talking so far about defending ourselves from the devil's attacks, but actually we can be active in our fight against him too. So God's given us the sword of the spirit to cut the devil down. And when we're tempted, and there's lots of different things that can tempt us, it might be actions, sometimes it's thoughts about ourselves, thoughts about other people, things that the devil tries to pull us down with. We can copy Jesus' example of just basically telling the devil where to go. And we can use specific verses. I know some people might memorize a verse that they can say when they feel tempted by something or feel like the devil's attacking them. Or we could just say something like, I belong to Jesus, I'm a son of God and no slave to sin. And just tell the devil, just actually maybe physically say, get out, you have no place here. And that truth cuts down the lies that he tells. Um, there's a lot of talk tonight about what I've been saying about fighting sin and the armour of God makes, like I said earlier, for a fun Sunday school lesson. But we face the devil every day, perhaps without even realising it or thinking about it. And Jesus has given us tools to actually battle with him with, and how often do we use them? How often do we rely on our own gut or how strong we are to avoid temptation and things? It's meant to be practical. God's given us some practical tools and not just some nice thoughts for a Sunday night. So kind of the challenge really is to use God's words to cut down the devil and to defend ourselves with these things that God's given us. I think the devil's, one of the devil's greatest lies is that he's not a threat. And if we fall into that trap, then he's got complete hold over us. And I think that's something that we need to cut down straight away, that actually he is a threat. Well, he would be if he wasn't for Jesus. And we could be tempted to accept that he is a threat. And I think sometimes we spend a lot of time perhaps praying, God, give me strength to break this or give me a breakthrough in something. Or God, please break these chains. And maybe sometimes we need to say, God, you've broken this already. And we need to tell the devil, it's broken. Not I'm hoping it's going to be, or I'm believing it might be. Sometimes we just need to say to the devil, it's broken. What are you doing? Stop playing the game. I'm not playing it anymore with you. And tell the devil to just to get out. 
So I'm just going to give us a few minutes tonight, really, just to sort of think on that and pray for something specific that we can tell the devil it's done. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished, not I'm in the process of finishing it, and I'll tell you the completion date. It was done. And he sort of says, Jesus says, it is finished now. It's done in your life, if you accept me. It's not carry on battling on your own. Granted, he gives us tools that we can use, but those tools are him because he's done it. So if I just give us a few minutes and just maybe if there's something specific that you're struggling with at the moment or if there's feelings that you've got or feelings about yourself or other people that you know the devil is dragging you down and trying to drag you away from Jesus by making you doubt him or doubt yourself. Just have a think about it for a minute and then if you want to pray to yourself, that's fine. If you want to pray with somebody else, that's great and I'll just close you did finish it once and for all and that while we're left down here with the devil on our backs we can just shake him off by telling him that we're yours and that he's got no hold on us because we're completely completely in your embrace and I just pray God that if we feel like there's parts of us that aren't giving over to you that tonight we'd give all those parts completely to you and that we'd be completely free amen so I just want to finish really by just saying that it's the gospel of freedom isn't it and that It's not just something temporary or something that deals with certain parts or some bits, or it might work. God has freed us from those things, and they have no hold on us if we trust him in that. And that the reason they have a hold on us is because we believe that they do, and then we act on it. So I just pray that for the next, well, not for the next week, just forever now, until we're made perfect with God, that we'll just believe that those lies are done with. We believe that Jesus has conquered and that he's sovereign over everything, our lives and the world. Amen. So I just wanted to finish by saying I was trying to tie in some different things that I'd mentioned before. Just casting our minds back to the last time I spoke when I mentioned about once we've done the repentance, we're then trying to line ourselves up with God's plan. And the people in Haggai, when they were building the temple, I said that they could have reacted in different ways. The first was out of defiance and saying, I'm not doing it. I don't want to listen to what you've got to say to me. The second is out of ignorance, pretending it's not there. And the third is out of begrudging obedience. So tonight we can either say, I'm not listening, I'm not doing it. We could say, nah, there's nothing wrong. I'm just going to pretend it's not happening. Or we can say, oh, go on then, if I have to. Or we can be like the people in Haggai that I mentioned last time who they just said, yeah, great. I'll do it, God, that's what you want. I'm going to follow you and do exactly what you want. So tonight, the challenge for us is as well as facing up to this, it's to actually face up to it and to do it with that obedience that the people in Haggai had. And we learned that when they did that, they lined themselves up with God's plans and God's plan for us and his purpose for us is freedom. Freedom from those things and obedience to him in everything. So I'll just pray for that and over the collection as well to finish. Thank you, God, that through Jesus we can accept your love willingly thank you God that you've blessed us with great mercy and such a huge gift for us and sometimes we're grudging or ignorant or defiant of it and I just pray God that we'll just completely embrace your freedom and give up the things that hold us back and just tell the devil to get out and to get off the pitch in everything in our lives that's not of you thank you God for the money that's been given tonight and pray that I'll go towards your purposes as we line ourselves up with your plan and with what you want for our church and for our area. I pray, God, that you'll bless us all as we go home tonight and that we'll wake up tomorrow with a real understanding of the freedom that you've given us. Amen.